0: Shim pravivesam katapurva
1: mahatmabri,
0: He then started towards the north, treading the path accepted by his forefathers and great men to devote himself completely to the thought of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. (coughs) And he lived in that way wherever he went. Purport by his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupāda. It is understood from this verse <coughs> that Maharaj Yudhisthira followed in the footsteps of his forefathers and the great devotees of the Lord. We have discussed many times before that the system of Arnashram Dharma, as it was strictly followed by the inhabitants of the world, specifically by those who inhabited the Aryavarta province of the world <coughs> emphasizes the importance of leaving all household connections at a certain stage of life. The training and education was so imparted, and thus a respectable person like Maharaj Yudhisthira had to leave all family connection for self-realization and going back to Godhead. No king or respectable gentleman would continue family life till the end because that was considered suicidal and against the interest of the perfection of human life. In order to be free from all family encumbrances and devote oneself ten percent in devotional service of Lord Krishna. This system is always recommended for everyone because it is the path of authority. The Lord instructs in Bhagavad Gita that one must become a devotee of the Lord at least at the last stage of one's life. A sincere soul of the Lord, like Maharaj Yudhisthira, must abide by this instruction of the Lord for his own interest. The specific words Brahma Param indicate Lord Shri Krishna. This is corroborated in the Bhagavad Gita 1013 by Arjuna with reference to great authorities like Asita, Devala, Narda, and Vyas. Thus Maharaj Yudhisthira, while leaving home for the north, constantly remembered Lord Shri Krishna within himself following in the footsteps of his forefathers as well as the great devotees of all times. Yudhisthira Maharaj has left all of his responsibilities in this world in the hands of the newly-coronated King, Maharaj Pariksit. Great personalities never perform their duties with a desire to be respected, nor do they accept any position in the mood of a proprietor they simply perform their occupation in the service of the lord <clears throat> in order to do krishna's work in this world and the consciousness must always be that ultimately krishna is the doer Krishna is empowering us for some time for a specific work. And in the same way, he can empower another. It is his power. It is his free will. So in this way, for Maharaj Yudhisthira, there was no difficulty in renouncing everything. Krishna gave him the power and the intelligence to rule the world and now it was time where Krishna was going to empower somebody else to do the same work. In this way, a devotee performs his duty without any ego. The bewildered soul, under the influence of the three modes of material nature, thinks him or herself to be the doer of activities. But one who understands the sublime truth of Krishna consciousness knows that Krishna is the doer. Why should we want any credit for anything? If Krishna is doing something through us, we should want to give Krishna all the credit for that. And if Krishna is doing it through someone else, we should be just as happy that Krishna is doing what he wants to do. Whether it is through me or through you or for him or through her, as long as Krishna's work is being done, we should be jubilant. And we should simply want to surrender to whatever way Krishna wants to use me in his divine plan then there is no false ego, then there is no envy, then there is no materialistic forms of competition. After all, we cannot be the proprietor of any particular type of devotional service. We should not be distressed when we're asked to do one service instead of another service. Because after all, the service is not mine. Krishna gives us the right to serve, but real service means what Krishna wants us to do, how Krishna wants us to use us. Maharaj Yudhisthira was a very great, powerful king. On behalf of Krishna, he was accepting the worship of the whole world. But then it was Krishna's plan that he be nobody. That he be in a place where nobody knows where he is. That he be in a place where nobody knows what he's doing. Where he's practically and virtually forgotten by all humanity. But for Maharaj Yudhisthira, there was no difference. He was simply acting according to the will of Krishna. Srila Prabhupada was ordered by his spiritual master. To spread the message of Lord Chaitanya throughout the world. This was the order of Krishna. We know what Krishna wants through Guru. Krishna speaks through Guru. He is the external manifestation of the Paramatma within our heart. So when Guru Maharaj Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave him this instruction, he took that as his life and soul. And he was praying to Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and he was praying to Lord Krishna, now you can do as you like with me. I have come here because you have ordered me to come here. I have not come here to become the Jagat Guru. I am not come here to open 108 centers throughout the world I have not come to 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 translate so many dozens and dozens of books and make so many thousands and thousands of disciples I have come here simply on your instruction to be an instrument of your mercy in any way you want to use me and he prayed in this way I am a puppet Now you make me dance however you desire me to dance. If you want to give me the words to penetrate the hearts of these fallen souls, then that is for you to decide how you want to use me. But know that I am surrendered to being used in any way you wish. That is the perfection of Krishna consciousness. Srila Prabhu allowed himself to surrender to be the instrument of Krishna in any way Krishna desired. In Jhansi, when he started his League of Devotees, he was doing it with the same order of his spiritual master. And by all material standards everything failed. He worked for so many long months, so much labor, so much planning, so much energy, so much preaching. He began to establish something and then everything was taken away. He had nothing left. In this way, he was not discouraged at all. Krishna, I'm doing your will. If this is how you want to use me, by making me a failure in the eyes of all, then I'm satisfied just to do your will, but I must keep trying until the last breath of our life. We must keep trying to be an instrument in the hands of Krishna. So this is real detachment. Renunciation in the highest sense does not mean to give up eating and sleeping does not mean to give up all material possessions does not mean to expose one's body and mind to extreme torturous conditions of life this is not the true principle of renunciation The true principle of renunciation is to be without false pride, to surrender to the principle that I am simply the instrument of Krishna, and until the last breath of our life, to simply do the will of Krishna. And whatever we do, we know it is Krishna's will. He is using me. To be really renounced means to be free from envy. Because when you see another devotee doing something wonderful, we are happy. We are thinking that Krishna is doing something wonderful through him. Now Krishna is doing something even more wonderful through her. Krishna's will is being done. This is what makes us happy. And we are simply willing and ready, waiting with enthusiasm, To do whatever Krishna wants to do through me. Whether you be Hanuman or whether you be the little squirrel, we are not concerned. Krishna can use us in any way he likes. That is renunciation. So, yes, Maharaj Yudhisthira, one day he is the king of the world, the object of everyone's attention. And the next day, he is forgotten, nowhere to be seen. But in Maharaj Yudhisthira's heart, he was always immersed in the thought of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in this way, he followed the path of the great forefathers, who were not attached to any situation in this world. They were only attached to Krishna. Eventually whatever you are, you're going to have to give it up. We should not be attached to any post. You should not attach to being the Pujari. We should not be attached to being the book distributor. We should not be attached to being the preacher. We should not be attached to being the temple president or the cook. We should not be attached to being guru or sannyasi or brahmacarya or father or mother or student. We should simply be attached to serving Krishna in whatever way guru and goranga want us to serve. That is real renunciation. Because all of these designations within this world will be taken away in due course of time. And if we are attached to any of these designations, we will have to take birth again in this material world. If we're attached to the designation of being a sannyasi, or the designation of being a pujari, we have to take birth again in this material world. But if we are attached to being the servant of the servant of the servant of the Lord, abiding by the will of Guru, then we never have to take birth again in this material world. and that is the perfection of our human existence. To die to live. To die to all these material connections of designations and perform our duties with the true spirit of being the servant of the Lord, the servant of his devotees. It is very difficult, after so many years in the Grihastha Ashram, To give up the comforts of home. And actually, according to the Varna Ashram system, just at the point when Grihastha Ashram is really getting good, that's when you have to give it up. Think about it. When you first get married, it's a struggle. You have to establish yourself in society somehow or other. You are, first of all, you have to learn to live with a man or a woman, which is an austerity. So many egoistic problems, it's an austerity, no doubt. Some sense gratification may be there, but actually that sense gratification is quite frustrating. Because to actually be a good grihasta, You're not supposed to be an animal. You're supposed to actually be self-controlled. So it's an austerity. And then you have to start working very hard. And then, for most grihastas, Krishna starts sending children. And that means more expenditure. And as they grow, the expenditure grows. And as the family expands, the the cost of living expands. So we have to make so many arrangements, working, 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 somehow or other worrying about how to make ends meet. And you're and all the children and the wife and everyone else is all depending on you. Ah. The mother has to be so much involved in crying babies, taking them, taking them out of Srimad Bhagavatam class when they're just trying to hear about Krishna, trying to chant their japa and changing diapers in between rounds, not even between rounds, during rounds. It's not a very pleasant life. And the father, he's just worrying about what to do My wife's in anxiety, therefore I'm in anxiety. And I have to make so much money, how am I going to do it? And I have to somehow or other live in this situation. It's very difficult, very difficult. And then as the children get older, they start, so many problems start happening. So many problems. They're so dependent on us. We have to worry about their school, we have to worry about their clothes, we have to worry about their food, we have to worry about their future, we have to worry about what type of association they're keeping. And and we're just working, 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 working. Very difficult situation. And then, after working to support, like an ass, for so many years, finally your children grow up. And then they say, father, mother now we will support you they're growing up no more responsibilities they have their degrees in college they have nice jobs they're making money themselves they're married they have their own families you're living at home with them joint family in india is the system and then actually everything is very nice this is the this is the actually only comfortable part of grihastha ashram For now, everything I've invested in all my children is going to come back to me. They're going to do the work. They're going to pay the bills. They're going to do everything. I can just relax and be happy. So actually, at the time when the children are grown, ready to support you, that's when Grihastha Ashram actually becomes tolerable. And it's at that point that the Vedas say, get out. (laughs) If you stay on any longer, you're in maya. Get out. Very difficult. So it's very difficult to, to renounce after living with your children and living with your wife and making so many relatives and so many friends and so many social arrangements. And usually that's at the point where your business career is at its peak, When you're about 50 years old, that's when everything is just practically going automatic. Everything is very good. At that point, you have to give up your business, you have to give up your family, and you have to go to the North. (laughs) What does the North mean? The North means a place where it's very cold, (laughs) a lot of austerities. So, human life is meant for self realization. But this is difficult. But the Vedas tell us to do it. We must be exemplary if we want to actually do real service to the world. And Srila Prabhupada, he is truly an Acharya is teaching by his example. So many people talk. This was said about Haridas Thakur. Some people speak very nicely, but they do not behave properly. And some people behave quite well, but they do not speak properly. But Haridas Thakur, they said, you speak nicely and you also behave nicely. According to the highest truths. And this is what is called an acharya. One who speaks the truth without interpretation and one who lives by those principles. So Srila Prabhupada is very strongly here echoing the words of the previous acharyas that at this certain stage of life we must actually prepare ourselves for death by detaching ourselves from all of these. Connections and entanglements of the world. And he actually did it. Srila Prabhupada was an Acharya who was teaching us by his example how to perfect our life. And Krishna used him in this way. We understand that Srila Prabhupada was sent by Krishna. He was not an ordinary conditioned soul who became purified, he was a great personality who descended by the will of the Lord for the highest purpose. And Krishna used him to teach a certain example. He was an ideal grihasta and at a certain age when he was about 50, even though there were so many commitments, so many entanglements, he had children, he had wife, he had all these things, he left it all. He left everything And in his leela, when his guru maharaj appeared to him and told him to take sannyas, he was thinking, how horrible. What about my wife? What about my children? What about all, my, all the work I've done for so many years in my career? He was a perfect Krishna conscious krihasta, but he was not attached to any of those designations or any of those duties. He was only attached to serving his guru in every phase of his life. And the test that he was actually a, attached to Guru Seva and not his own position and prestige was that when he was asked to give it up, he gave it up. He dedicated his life to the mission of preaching. For us, this is what it means to go to the north, to be fully engaged in the mission of Sri Guru and Gauranga, preaching the glories of the Lord and remembering Krishna by our very, very attentive, intensified sadhana of hearing and chanting. So we should be, grihastas should actually be planning their Grihastha ashram from the very day of their marriage, in fact, from the day of their engagement, they should be planning their Grihastha ashram in such a way that they can be perfectly Krishna conscious at a certain stage, be so detached that they could prepare for the final stage of life before death. This is intelligence. (coughs) And for brahmacharis, what can I say? All I can say is be careful. (laughs) You are already in that stage. Of giving up everything in the service of the Lord. And in order to maintain that throughout life, throughout the turbulent, turbulent years of youth and middle age, you have to be severely strict and keep very, very strong association. And in this way the Varana ashram system is meant so that everyone can perfect their lives in Krishna consciousness. By fully immersing our consciousness in Krishna at the time of death. Is there any questions?
1: You just mentioned about Grahastha Ashram. In this Krishna Consciousness movement, movement of Lord Chaitanya, we have been told that whether you are in a Grahastha Ashram or in a Brahmacharya Ashram or in a Vanaprastha Ashram, mm. stay wherever you are. The mm. example of the Kurma Brahmin also, he wanted to leave and Chaitanya was said, you just stay where you are and then whoever you meet, you just preach to him about Krishna. And when we are preaching about such things, when we read in these books that one has to renounce everything and take to the vanaprastha Prasthara Sannyas Ashram, there are two conflicting statements. On one hand, we are saying, we are preaching to people that if you are inclined to a grhastha Ashram, want to get married, you get married. On the other hand, we are saying that we should be totally um, renounce and just leave away our family responsibilities. When you grow old, when, you, when, when the right time comes, you are supposed to leave everything and then mm. uh, be renounced.
0: But for you, the right time has not come. There is no contradiction. It is a matter of stages. And to live according to the prescribed instructions at each stage is perfect Krishna consciousness. If you're living within your grihasta ashram according to the standards, you are as good as a brahmachari. But the standard is that you should living in such a way that when that stage comes... When your household duties are complete, at that time you should go on to another phase. In other words, after your children are grown, krihasta life is a struggle. Brahmachari life is always a struggle. Krihasta life is a struggle. It's a different type of struggle, but if you do it in Krishna consciousness, there's really not much difference. There's no difference if you do it in pure Krishna consciousness. But it's a struggle. But after your children are grown and all of these things, then it's not supposed to be such, then you're supposed to struggle in another way. You've done your duties. You've raised your children in Krishna consciousness. You've made money to support the Krishna consciousness movement. These are all necessary services. You've done them. You're not supposed to do it until you die. There's a cut-off point at which time you're supposed to just completely attach yourself to the loving service of the Lord. If you're a pure devotee by that time, for your own spiritual purification, there's no need to cut off anything. But you do it as an example to others because that is what Krishna wants. And if you're not a completely pure devotee at that time, through the realizations and the advancement you've made during your years in the Grihastha Ashram, you're supposed to be at that stage where you can quickly perfect your life through the process of complete detachment. So there is no contradiction whatsoever. Varnashram Dharma in this sense means to do your, the duty that Krishna wants you to do in diff, at each phase of your life. <coughs> First 25 years as a brahmachari, <coughs> second 25 years as a grihasta, third 25 years as a vanaprasta, and the remaining years as a sannyasi. This is the system. Chaturvana mayastristham guna karma And this is the system that most of the population is meant to follow. It is the prescribed arrangement given by God himself. But we have to be looking ahead at what we're preparing for. We shouldn't think that where we are is the all in all. As we're raising our family in Krishna conscious, we should be very attached to doing it according to Krishna's will. But we should be planning ahead. We should know in some years I'm going to have to leave it all. So I should do it as my duty to Krishna. I should do it to help these people all go back to Godhead. I should be attached to that service. I shouldn't be attached to simply the company and the facility because we'll have to leave it. And if you have that in mind, you'll actually be in the proper consciousness throughout your 25 years or so in the Grihastha Ashram. But materialistic people, they think this is the all in all. So they're never planning ahead. They are not cultivating detachment. Any question?
1: Especially in India, <coughs> those are in the Krishna Consciousness Movement, the society looks down upon those grassthas who don't have children.
2: Hmm. And
1: the society. It looks down upon those garasthas who don't have children or who don't want to have children. The husband and wife, they want to lead a perfect Krishna conscious life. But then society doesn't recognize them, doesn't accept them, especially the near and dear family members.
0: You can live a perfect Krishna conscious life with children also. That is the normal recommended process of Vrihasta life. If you follow the proper instructions and train your children in Krishna consciousness and procreate for the purpose of having children, it's as good as brahmachari as far as the shastras are concerned. So that is perfect Krishna consciousness. As far as near and dear ones, sometimes our near and dear ones are not devotees, so they will have a different conception. Their conception is material enjoyment is the goal in life. And the near and dear ones who are devotees, their conception of happiness is renunciation and devotional service. So we should not be influenced by the propaganda of those who are representing Maya, we should be influenced by the propaganda of those representing Krishna. To have children in Grihastha ashram is perfectly natural and if we do it right, it's perfectly Krishna conscious. But one doesn't have to have children. You can be Krishna conscious either way. But you see, our relatives, if they are not devotees, they want us to have children simply so that they can enjoy grandchildren. Yes? Yes? It's not that they want us to have children so that these children never have to take birth again in this material world. <laughs> devotee parents are like that. You have a child to raise in Krishna consciousness in such a way that that child will never take birth in this material world. It's like Srila Prabhupada, his father, Gaur Mohan Day. he had so many children, but he was a pure devotee. And he would always invite sadhus to his house to bless his children. And he would feed the sadhus, give them, he, he wasn't a rich man, but he would give them whatever he can to satisfy them. And then before leaving, he would ask them for blessing. What was his blessing? He only asked for one blessing. Please bless my son, Abhai that he will become a pure devotee of Srimati Radharani. That is perfect Grihastha life. But most of our parents, when they want us to have children, the blessing they want is that my child will be a doctor. Bless my child that he will be a doctor. Or that she will be a uh, PhD. Or that she will... She will expand the dynasty of our good name uh, like that. But we aren't concerned with those types of desires from our relatives. We are concerned when we have children that that child becomes a pure devotee of Srimati Radharani.
2: You were mentioning about the surrender state of a devotee, and you said that whatever way Krishna uses us, devotee remains satisfied. And he also derives great satisfaction upon seeing his uh, god brothers or god sisters being utilized by Krishna in greater service than maybe what he is serving. So. This is a very higher state of uh, consciousness, actually. In between, those who are struggling have the knowledge, this knowledge, but becomes difficult to practice it because they haven't reached that stage. Hmm. So they keep on becoming envious. So how to, you know, contract this or tolerate this? Hmm. They're
0: envious of you because you're so empowered and so wonderful and so great. We should not think that anyone's envious of me, because we are nothing. It is Krishna. So how to deal with the problem of envy and ego in the neophyte condition of Krishna consciousness? This is your question? We must know what we are striving for. We must understand with our intelligence what is the truth. And with that knowledge, with the sword of knowledge, we could cut to pieces the darkness of ignorance within our own hearts. As soon as that tendency comes to think, oh, see what I have done. We must apply what we have heard in Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam class and by the reading of the scriptures and say and remind ourselves that actually I have not done anything. What can you do? Just like the other day in the uh, Harinam Sankirtan procession, they asked me to dance. So I started dancing. And then the muscles in my legs went, and I couldn't even walk. So I was thinking, who am I to dance? If Krishna wants to take dancing away, I cannot dance. If Krishna wants, as a puppet, to make me dance, I can dance. We can do nothing without Krishna. Krishna can give, Krishna can take it away, because the power is Krishna's in every situation. So we should remember that, always. That we should not take credit for anything. And in the same way as Krishna is empowering us, according to his will, he can empower others. So when we see that someone is excelling beyond ourselves, especially in our own field of service, that's when our ego is most pained. If somebody's doing another service from another place, we don't mind we can tolerate what they do well somehow or other it's tolerable if you're a book distributor and a preacher is doing very well you think you can tolerate it but if another book distributor distributes more books than you ah it's intolerable how is this possible at that time we have to remember that actually Krishna is giving me the power. Krishna is giving him the power. It's Krishna's power. And if I love Krishna, I will love how Krishna is making his mission successful through whoever he wants, however he wants. That's love for Krishna. So when these tendencies of envy and pride come into our heart, we have to check it with knowledge. And at the same time, with this knowledge, we have to be so much determined and enthusiastic to follow the principles of purification by which we can actually come to that standard of realization. Yes? As we have said, if you do something wonderful and then you take credit for it, that in a certain sense you lose the credit of what you've done. But if you give the credit to Krishna... Give the credit to Guru, give the credit to the blessings of the Vaishnavas, then whatever you've done becomes eternally, ever increasingly to your spiritual benefit. So today is the first day of Śrīla Prabhupāda's centennial. Today is January 1st, 1996, the inaugural day of the 100th anniversary of Śrīla Prabhupāda's appearance in this world. So throughout the year people take New Year's resolutions that on this auspicious day the first day of the year of the centennial of Śrīla Prabhupāda we make the resolution within our hearts in the presence of their Lordship Śrī Rādhā ji and Śrīla Prabhupāda that we will truly live according to His instructions and in this way use our life individually as well as in the association of his movement to make his glories known for the benefit of all living beings. We should show our love for him by how we cooperate. We should show our love for him by seriously endeavoring together to purify our lives by the process that He has given us. And throughout this year, in a most exemplary way, we should be striving with extra enthusiasm and energy to help the world understand the mercy that Srila Prabhupada has descended to bestow upon all. Shri Prabhu Prabhupada Ki. Shri the Prabhupada Centennial Key Nithai Gaur Primanandi Nithai-gaur. Thank you very much